Hey, everybody. Welcome to another week of the Live Life Aggressive Podcast with Mike Mahler and Sincere Hogan. And we have a great guest on the show today. Uh, first of all, hey, Mike, how you doing, brother? I'm doing good, man. Yeah, we have a, we've been excited about this guest for a while. I've been a huge fan of his work for many years. We have Udo Erasmus. He's the author of Fats That Heal, Fats That Kill. And his website is UdoErasmus.com. And we'll talk more about that at the end of the show, the website. Also, he is well-known as the formulator of Udo's Choice Oil Blend, mm-hmm. and also well-known as being credited for bringing organic, unrefined flaxseed oil to the marketplace. How are you doing today, Udo? I'm doing really well. Actually, I am best known for being the father of flax, because what I had to do is I had to develop methods for making oils with health in mind, because right. I realized how much damage has been done to the oils we take. And I had been poisoned by pesticides. So I looked at that and I said, I can't get healthy on oils that increase inflammation and cancer. Because the pesticides I I got poisoned by, they increase inflammation and they increase cancer. So we should be making oils with health in mind. So I developed a method for doing that. That's my claim to fame. And then Flaxol was the first oil I developed using that method. And then Flaxol turned out to be not as well balanced as it should be, and, right. and, and I became omega-6 deficient on it. Mm-hmm. And so I developed a blend that is better balanced, that has all the good things we need from fats and doesn't have any of the bad things we should avoid. And if you do a switch from whatever you're using to the, what we call Udo's oil blend, then you fundamentally take care of the place where the most health problems come from and where the, you know, when you get the wrong oils, because they're so damaged. They cause more health problems than any other part of nutrition. And if you make an oil change from oils, from from the ones that kill to the ones that heal, more benefits come from that one single move than anything else you will do in nutrition. What about if you're getting a lot of omega-6 in your diet already, and then you add Udo's oil to that? Is that going to, is that something to be You know how many thousand times I have been, I have been asked (laughs) awful question. Let me tell you why it's an awful question. (laughs) We do have six omega-6s in our diet, but those omega-6s are damaged by the processing. And if you want to be healthy and if you want to optimize your potential, either in bodybuilding or in in physical performance or in mental performance or just in general health. You want to get rid of the omega-6s that are damaged by processing and replace them with omega-6s that are also made with health in mind. That's why we have them in the blend. We still emphasize the omega-3s because most people don't get enough. But we add enough undamaged omega-6s so that you don't become omega-6 deficient the way Flaxol can you know the way you can on flaxol now Udo, when you when you refer to the, the ones that are damaged are you speaking more in terms of because for those out there that are not in the know are you speaking more in terms of the vegetable oils and the cottonseed oils and all the oils that they usually use in processed food and hydrogenated oils and things like that yes i'm talking about all of the cooking oils the so-called cooking oils in plastic bottles on the shelves they have all have omega-6s in them and they are damaged proportional to how much omega-6 they have. I'm also talking about what you do with those oils when you use them in processed in foods, mm-hmm. and those foods are then not protected from light, oxygen, and heat, so the oils damaged, are damaged even more. I'm also talking about the oils that you use for frying your foods in the home, because even more damage is done when you do that. And in my view, frying is the worst thing we have ever invented to do to our food in, in 200,000 years of being monkeys with big brains. <laughs> What's the big problem with fried foods? Yeah. Well, when you, oils, what makes, why, why oils are so damaged, why the damaged oils cause so many problems is that the oils, the omega-6s, and even more the omega-3s mm. are very sensitive to damage by light, by oxygen, and by heat. And all kinds of different changes are made. When you fry oil, you expose it to high temperature, to light, and to oxygen all at the same time. And you end up with a mess. If you want the technical, you get fragmented, um, double bond shifted, um, trans fats, cyclized molecules, dimerized, trimerized, polymerized, uh, and there's a bunch of other ones. Get molecules that never existed in nature, so life never made a program for breaking them down. So they accumulate in your, in your body, you end up with chronic inflammation, and inflammation 
That's because the body doesn't know how to get rid of them, so they stick around. And, and inflammation is behind most of our degenerative conditions. It's like from eating poison is why you get the inflammation. And when your body can't break down the poison easily, then the poison accumulates. And in fact, those molecules accumulate in the body with age. They also accumulate up the food chain, which is why people who, want, uh, you know, who are interested in health tend to eat lower on the food chain. Right. Now, what is your take on fish oil? Because I know you have some very strong views on that. Can one get all the essential now, fatty acids they need from your you product? Might, you know, my, my criticism of fish oil is not about the fish and not about the oil. It's about the misrepresentation of the research. Right. Ten years ago, maybe 15 years ago, fish oil industry said 30% of the population cannot convert alpha-linolenic acid into EPA and DHA enough. So they were actually saying 70% don't need it. But then they realized what they were saying, because that is what the research said, that some right. people convert slower than others, which, which you expect in any population. Some do, do better than others in any particular issue, right? Some people have more energy before they get tired. Some people have less. Right. And it's all based on how the genetic program works, but in the case of oil, it also depends on how much junk we're eating and how much that junk is interfering with the conversion of the plant-based omega-3 to the, to the fish-based omega-3. And what the industry started to say is everybody should be taking fish oil. But you have, and then, then you have to start looking at, well, is this true? There are 300 million Hindus in India that are in the Brahmin caste. The Brahmin castes are vegetarian. The only animal product they eat is buffalo or cow oil, cow milk, sorry, cow oil, <laughs> cow milk. <laughs> and cow milk does not have DHA and EPA in it. They've yeah. never eaten fish. They've never taken fish oil. It's a 20,000-year-old culture, and they have never had a problem with EPA and DHA deficiency. And that means they, and they, you know, they don't have a source of that, and that means they have to be able to convert plant omega-3s from psyllium and from vegetables and from chickpeas and various other things that they do eat into what the fish oils contain that are required for brain function, vision, and sperm formation. If you look at the Indian population, they don't seem to have, be have, they don't seem to have any problem in sperm formation that would make you sterile if that wasn't working. Right. Or in brain function, you'd be, uh, you know, you'd be retarded. <laughs> you wouldn't you'd be, be outsourcing right now to so right. many of us. Right. <laughs> yeah, 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 we're outsourcing them. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And so you'd be sterile, you'd be dumb, and you'd be blind. But they don't have a problem with any of those situations, even though they have never eaten fish and never taken fish oils. So this is a pretty big experiment for a very long time, saying... This, this idea that you can't convert doesn't actually make sense, provided you get enough plant-based omega-3s as starting material. And so I decided to address that. Now, you have to understand that Udo's oil is a, is a food oil, not a supplement. Fish oil is a supplement. What's the difference? You know, if you, said, if you went to somebody and you said to him, you know, I discovered multimineral, multivitamin pills. So I'm not going to eat food anymore because, you know, they have all the essential nutrients in them. You know, your friend would shake his head and say, you need to get your head examined. Right. <laughs> right? Because right, no supplement is not a replacement for food. It's a supplement to food. So what we've done with oils, with all of the advertising the fish oil industry has done, is we have focused, we have completely neglected the food oil, and we've said we only need the supplement to be healthy, and it's complete crap. Right. You have to first, and, and more problems come from not getting the food foundation right than come from not getting a supplement. Now, the other okay. problem I have with the fish oils, they are even, they're five times more sensitive to damage than the alpha-linolenic acid than the plant omega-3, which in turn is five times more sensitive to damage than the omega-6s. So this is about the most sensitive stuff that we work with. 
and in the, and the processing is about the same as it is for the cooking oils. Small differences, but they're basically also treated with Drano window washing acid, bleached and heated to frying temperature before they go in the capsule. And the damage done to fish oils is in the neighborhood of maybe three to five percent by the methods that are usually used. And nobody in the industry, neither the, the plant oil industry nor the supplement oil industry, talks about the damage done by processing. I got it out of the journal lipids, and the journal lipids was discontinued. So these days it's not even on anybody's, on anybody's radar, and the studies are all buried in that journal that was discontinued. And when I found that, you know, when I found out about the damage done by processing, that's the thing that said to me when I was poisoned, that, you know, we need to be making oils with health in mind rather than with shelf life in mind. And we need to develop machinery around the needs and the sensitivity of the oil so that it retains its health benefits rather than trying to push it through whatever machine you got, we got lying in the backyard. Right. Now, now Udo, when you talk about um, oil also being damaged, I know that pretty much everything now is made with canola oil, and I've seen some pretty nasty videos of the processing, uh, the processing with canola oil online. And it pretty yeah. much, by the time it's done, it looks like motor oil. But it's pretty much in everything. I mean, <laughs> if you go to Whole Foods, almost everything there is made in canola oil, especially everything that's over there in their in they, their Yeah, they, they use canola, soybean, and maybe it's, corn oil. Exactly. And those exactly. because they're cheap. Right. The canola oil is, you know, there's stuff on the Internet that is pretty far out. That's like sounds really good, but it's not really true. So canola oil has been treated, has been maligned in a way that is not fair. It's not any better. It may be somewhat worse because it has more omega-3s than most other oils. But it has the same problem that all the other oils have that have been treated with drain window washing acid, bleached, and fried mm -hmm before they go in the bottle. They just use it because it's cheap. Right. Okay? But they, it's not worse than the other oils, other than there's more omega-3s, so they, they are damaged five times quicker. So you may have a little bit more damage. But all the stuff about, uh, you know, uh, motor oils and all that, that's, uh, that's a little far-fetched. You know, I understand that somebody's trying to say it's not good stuff. I don't recommend any of the cooking oils, and I don't recommend any oils for cooking. Because when you do that, you fundamentally, you know, if you fry an oil, the oil will fry your health. That's mm. a good way to remember it. So even, even stuff such as coconut oil and so forth, you wouldn't yeah, recommend it. Yeah, because if the moment you turn food brown, let me tell you what the research says. Okay. When you fry something, if, whether it's starch that then turns brown, like on your pancakes, or right. protein that turns brown, like the brown on your eggs when you fry them, or on your steak when you fry it or when you put it on the barbecue on that hot iron, right? Whether it's starch that you overheat or protein that you overheat or oil that you overheat, all three of them, independent of the others, increase inflammation and cancer. And why is that? Because you create m molecules that never existed in nature. They're toxic because the body doesn't know what to do with them. They interfere with the body works, and the immune system goes nuts trying to figure out what to do with them. And then your, your cancer cells will have a, a chance to grow because the immune system is otherwise occupied. And that's the reason for why it is such a bad idea to do that. Look, nature standard for health, for making healthy bodies, for making bodies that work, for as long as the planet has been turning, was always fresh, whole, raw, and organic. And every creature eats like that except us and the animals we keep. If you, if you cook foods in water, you've already, you already lose something. You destroy the enzymes in the raw food that help to do digestion. You kill the probiotics that are on the outside of the food that are important for healthy digestive tract. You lose minerals unless you drink the cooking water. You damage a percentage of some of the more sensitive uh, vitamins. You damage a percentage of the more sensitive amino acids. 
And when you, you know, so, the, so you've all, already lost quite a bit when you do that. But when you then, on top of that, when you fry, not only are you losing those things, but on top of that, you're making poisonous molecules. So I would say frying is the absolute bad no-no. Cooking in water is better but not good. Fresh, whole, raw, organic. There's no argument against fresh, whole, raw, organic that you can make, health argument, except if the food is contaminated. And if the food is contaminated, then you need to cook it to kill the bugs, or you need to find uncontaminated food and eat it raw. Do you try to follow a raw, 100% raw diet, or what is your diet like? I'm not 100% raw, but I can tell you this from my experience, that when I eat raw food, I always feel better than when I eat cooked food. Right. And I'm pretty much, I threw out my frying pan. I wrote an article for my, our major nutri, uh, newspaper up here. And I was writing about, uh, uh, it was called Heated Up About Heating Oils, right? Right. And, uh, <laughs> and I, I was writing it and talking about that we should throw out a frying pan. And I still had one frying pan. So I went and took the frying pan out and threw it in the garbage before I finished the article, before I sent it off. felt really good. Fundamentally, frying pan does not belong in, the hum in, a, in a house where, where health is, is considered important. Let's say someone was like, look, I understand where you're coming from, but I, I like cooked food, so I don't want to give it up completely. Would taking your products or essential fatty acids in general, would that help and minimize some of the well, yeah, damage, or, does it, or, no, or is there no connection at all? Look, if you, if you eat poison and then you eat good things, the more good things you eat, the, more, the less room for poison you have. So does it make sense? Yes. If you're going to eat bad food and then you're going to eat good food too, there's a, there's, a, there's a balance. But do you get away with the effects of the, the damaged molecules in your body? No, they still right. have an effect. Right. So the question you should be asking, you know, because I think I'm, I'm going to bust you here. The question you shouldn't be asking is, what can I get away with? Because what you just asked me is a what can I get away with question. Right, right. right? So instead of, instead of saying, what can I get away with? Why don't you ask a better question? What would it take? What would I have to do in order to have the absolute optimal best physical health I can for the longest time possible? Right. And you'll only ask that question if you're enjoying your life. Because you know, sure. if your life is sure. crap, then why would you look after it? Then right. it's almost like a, you know, if your life is really negative and everything is like bad and, you know, there's nothing but complaints and you hate everything, you know, then you're pretty much going to treat yourself in a way that will allow you to check out sooner. Yeah, it's and, a, and a, lot of people, a lot of people do that. A lot of people seem to basically say that I'm just going to run my body into the ground and enjoy it as long as possible, however long that is. So it's, yeah. it's a very unhealthy mindset. That yeah. most people well, you know, fall into because they're, because they're not happy with their lives in other areas. Yeah, yeah. And, what, and, and what that's about, you know, how do you get happy with your life? Mm -hmm. Honestly, the best way to get happy with your life is to get in touch with it. Most people don't live in touch with their life. They live in touch with their ideas, and they live in touch with all of the stuff that goes on around them in the world that is always changing, <clears throat> that is full of frustration. And they don't get in touch with the one thing inside of them called life, the energy that, you know, that is the difference between you being vertical and you being horizontal permanently. When you're in touch with the energy, there's a feeling. That feeling is of contentment, of wholeness, of completion, of feeling taken care of, of peace, of insight, beauty, all the good stuff that we want is all already built into us. We came standard with it. We just don't do a lot of effort to go there. I do a practice that gets me in touch with that. I like to do it every morning before I even get out of bed, and I have nothing but good days from that place. And because I, have, because I feel content and I like being here and I'm really enjoying my time here, I'm going to extend that time in the most in the, you know, I'm going to extend it as long as I can, and I'm going to do whatever I need to do, which is all simple stuff, like throw out the frying pan, eat raw food, all simple stuff that will give me the, the best quality of physical function that I can have in the time that I have on Earth.
Oh, very well said. I'm I'm curious what your just give us give us a day of what a diet looks like for you. I mean, I'm sure it changes each day, but just give us an idea of what you eat throughout the day. Well, <clears throat> I uh, first of all I sleep till I wake up as mm-hmm. much as possible. Sometimes I right. have appointments because my view is that if you need coffee to get up in the morning, you should have gone to bed an hour earlier in the evening. Right, <laughs> right. I agree. We talk right? about that a lot. Yeah. Oh, we don't do that. We try to pack so much in the day, and then we're burned out, and then it's, oh, God, you know, i got to have a coffee. Oh, God, my life starts when I have my coffee, right? <laughs> all you're doing is you're, 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 you're busting your adrenals, and eventually yeah. you end up with chronic fatigue. Right. And then you can't yeah. do anything. Yeah. And then, then, it, then people call me and say, what can I do so I can continue to live this stupid life? And I say, no, I, there's nothing you can do for it. You need to change your lifestyle. Sleep until you wake up. Get the rest you need. Balance between activity and rest is very important. But in terms of, and then I eat when I'm hungry. I don't say breakfast is the most important meal of the day. I don't say that. That's driven by, you know, the the, starch, the, the carbohydrate industry. Right. Right. Because breakfast is your carb, your carb meal, right? I eat when I'm hungry. Hunger was created by life to let us know when, it's, when, we, when the body needs more fuel. So if you pay attention to the hunger and you eat when you're hungry, you will not overeat. If you don't pay attention to when you're hungry and then you're starving, then the tendency is to overeat. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, there's a big difference between genuine hunger and what most people feel, right? Most people don't really experience hunger. They're unhealthy and they have a lot of cravings and then they just eat themselves away, self-medicating. They eat when actually they're thirsty because they've never differentiated us for the two. Yeah, or they confuse hunger with starvation. There's a difference because when you're eating foods that are not nutrient-dense, then, of course, you're going to be hungry. Five minutes later, you're hungry again. You're eating all these Because your body still didn't get everything you needed. Exactly. So another reason why you should eat whole foods, not junk. Right. Right? I agree. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So then when I get up, then I often I go and do some work, and I do some emails, and I do some writing or whatever, you know, get my mail, deal with all that kind of stuff. When I'm hungry, I eat. What do I have in my fridge? Let me, let, me, let me have a look. Well, let's see. I've got carrots, peppers, cabbage, broccoli. I had some cauliflower that I just ate, uh, tomatoes. I have some avocados. I have some apples, oranges, you know, just all that kind of stuff. So mostly fruits and vegetables. Right. I don't fry I don't have any fish. I don't have any meat in the house. makes your house stink. When I go out, I, I eat fish sometimes. I eat very little red meat because, uh, iron, you know, we are very good at absorbing iron, and we are very poor at getting rid of iron. Mm-hmm. And except women, when they have their period, they get rid of iron. Mm-hmm. So red meat, in my view, is for women during reproductive age. What happens when you eat a lot of meat, you get a lot of iron, you don't get rid of it, you get iron overload, and iron overload is associated with uh, cardiovascular disease. There's some very good research on it. Uh, Aside from that, uh, I don't like that when human beings commercialize their food supply, especially in the meat industry, then you end up with hormones and pesticides and drugs and antibiotics in the meat, and those create problems in your body. And fundamentally, my first experience with a, with a vegetable-based diet, I'm not a vegetarian, I'm not, a, I'm not an ism, I don't believe in any isms, I pay attention to what my body tells me. But when we did our first tour, we went 101 days in the U.S., 17,000 miles, 35 states, 85 cities in 101 days. And the first, we figured out during the first couple of weeks that if we ate meat, we felt heavy, and if we, we ate carbs, we, we got, fell asleep. And right. so we did that entire tour, except for the first two weeks when we figured it out, on fresh, raw vegetables. We didn't even have, use fruit because fruit has quite a bit of sugar in it, and when you're just sitting around and you're not exercising because you're, you're you know, working, talking all day and then driving all night, right. then fruit can have too much sugar. I'm quite sensitive to sugar. So my diet is based on greens, good, good oils and protein, 
and I limit my carbohydrates mostly to what is present in green vegetables. I don't have pasta, potatoes, rice. I don't have any of that in the house. I do have a jar of, of uh, oatmeal made the old-fashioned way, and every once in a while I have a, I have a mouthful of that, but it's not a regular meal for me. And I fundamentally just eat what I want from that setup. I, uh, I have lots of energy. I'm 71. I should be a tired old guy. I don't have any pain in my joints except when I bang them, uh, <laughs> which I still do sometimes, right? <laughs> I'm still learning how to walk and not stumble, right? Um, but I don't have any, any joint pain, any finger pains, any inflammation, uh, have a ton of energy. My brain works really well. Uh, and honestly, at 71, I'm having the time of my life. Life begins at 70. Now, you hear that, now, folks? Be careful! Be careful with banging out there. You don't yeah, want to, you don't want to mess yeah. anything up. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, no matter careful. what age, <laughs> I, I bang carefully, <laughs> as much as I can. And that's the takeaway message from this entire show today: bang carefully. <laughs> yeah, bang carefully. <laughs> yeah, Udo, what's what's your take bang, on bang with uh, bang with aggressive kindness? How's that? <laughs> you know, see, oh, see Udo, Udo, we we define aggressive for the show as moving forward with strong purpose. Just to, just to yes, clarify that right. point. You know, you know, so so, so when, we, when we say live life aggressively, we're not saying go out there and be a prick to people. We're saying yeah. <laughs> have a strong focus, be determined. I understand. And most charge. people will call, will call that assertive, but I think aggressive is a stronger word. Right. And, right. and I understand why you use it. And yeah. I, have, I have fun with it. I totally agree with you. Uh, living with strength and living with purpose and living assertively and and being in your own power and being in your own understanding and making something happening it happen in the world out of your own being. I totally, I'm totally. I, mean, I, th I think you that. find yourself naturally more energetic when you do. And then I think you're more willing to make better choices as you alluded to, where you're going to want to eat in a way that's going to enhance that because you have a strong right. purpose for existing now, right. as opposed and, to. And when you don't have purpose, you tend to get very sloppy. Right. So, I mean, I think a lot exactly. of unhealthy addictions come from lack of purpose and lack of passion about wanting you know, to you, you know that when people retire from their job, you know that the average lifespan of, I mean, this is, you know, our average lifespan for men is 78 years. Right. You retire when you're 65. So you got 13 right. years in there. Yeah. People retire from their jobs. The average lifespan is only three years. Yeah, you know I, I don't doubt yeah. it one bit. I don't doubt yeah. it. And the reason why is that the people who have dedicated their life to a job, when the job dries up and they get put out in pasture, they lose their purpose. And when you lose your purpose, you go down really fast. If yeah. you're not here for something, you might as well not be here. I, I agree. I mean, Even if your purpose is just to really enjoy what it feels right. like to be alive, right. that's purpose right. enough. So it doesn't yeah. have to be an external purpose. But it, there does have to be a purpose for living, because otherwise, why live? Yeah, you know, if you're if you're going to live in a coma, what's the point? I think what's people make a lot of poor choices in life it's just coming from that systemic point where they're they're very unhappy in so many different facets of life, and instead of addressing those things, they just self-medicate and then they just spiral yeah. out of control with the whole thing. What you said really reminds me of my grandfather. He was he was a, a very well-known lecturer within certain business circles who was very good at management consulting and so forth super passionate about his job when traveling yeah. around lecturing and so forth when he retired you just saw the life slowly dwindle out of him and then yeah. when, when his wife my grandmother passed away that was kind of the final reason for him wanting to hang on that was the final purpose and he died within i believe a week of her passing so, yeah, I, so I understand what you're talking about all too well. And it also makes me think of Larry King. When, when Larry King got kicked off, a lot of people think, thought he retired from CNN. I think he got kicked off. He, I, I was wondering how that yeah, would affect his health. They didn't like his suspenders. <laughs> I was wondering how that would affect his health. And then I was happy to see him on a new show because he's in his 80s, and he, you can tell he loves what he does. And yeah. I think that if he didn't work, because he loves his work so much, what, what is a guy like that going to do? Because he needs that, that source to get that energy out there. 
Yeah, another yeah. example of that is uh, Regis Philbin. I mean, this guy, I, mean, I can see why he could probably feel like everything's going downhill being with Kelly Ripper. He's like, dude, I'm trying to hang out <laughs> with this young 30-year-old girl, and Viagra's just not helping me out right here in this situation and keeping me vibrant. But now he's on um, a show on Fox Sports 1, and he just seems happier than ever, man. It doesn't seem like he's trying to fake it and just get through it. Because a lot of times it seemed like when he was with Kelly, it seemed like he was just yeah. kind of just trying to do his best just to hang on and survive. But it's almost like he knew his time was coming where they were probably going to give him the ax or kind of just suggest like, you know, you, you might want to, you're getting older. You've done it all, Regis. You might want to do something else. And uh, pretty much. But now you can just see this dude's excited. He's around a, a lot of younger guys, younger ladies yeah. that they're into sports. So they're kind of into things that he's into. I can just imagine what it would be like you're working with Kelly, you know, not taking anything from her, but I can probably just see it's probably a big difference of interest between the two of them. Whereas with him and Kathy Lee, it's just like, hey, let's do the show and then let's go get wasted when the show is over. Just like she's happier now on, on, on the um, Today Show because she's drinking wine every freaking morning, getting toasted and getting paid for it. So Who, uh, Kelly? What, what better way? Uh, Kathy Lee, yeah. Oh, Kathy Lee, yeah. 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 <laughs> and Hoda. Oh, I think so. I saw an interview with Regis and, uh, just like a few days ago. Yeah. And I was surprised how chipper he was, and he did sound bored on on the on the on his show yeah, before he left yeah. that show. Exactly, he sounded I mean, bored. He was like, he was like, yeah, this, I, whatever that was, you know, because because you really don't know what's going on behind the scenes or what right. his restrictions are and what he can and can't talk about. I know that on his show you were not allowed to talk about health because mm. we pitched them and they had like. They had like five of the producers of the show there, and they all said, you know, we love your story, but we do not do anything on the topic of health. No, no, they don't want all their advertisers to, to watch Yeah, it. exactly. But what I, whatever <laughs> the reason was, I, don't, I, I, didn't, I never fig- tried to figure it out, but I said, well, that's interesting. You know, health is an issue for every human being on the planet, and right. you create a show where the one thing that is probably the biggest single issue on this planet is like how to live and how to live well and how to live aggressively and how to live with purpose and how to live healthy and how to be strong. You know, that one thing that is the biggest issue for human beings between the time they're born and the time they check out. That's not a topic for conversation. That in itself would make me as bored as he looked and w- want <laughs> yeah. to change stations. I mean, if yeah. you're so censored that you can't talk about anything interesting, then how excited are you going to be? You know, like, yeah. for example, if we did this podcast and we were restricted to a few topics that we don't really care about, it's not going to be very fun for us. But because we have time, freedom to do whatever show. we want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Aggressively. <laughs> <laughs> you know, coming yeah, back to sure. the topic of, of fats. I'm oh, sorry, sincere. Coming back to the topic of fats. Well, what is your take on CLA? I know you've written some stuff about it, but I wanted to get your well, take CLA, on it on the show. Yeah, CLA is a trans fatty acid. Mm-hmm. It has always been a trans fatty acid. And what was interesting to me is I knew about trans fatty acids before CLA came on the market. They then did, did some studies. They made some claims that it helped you lose weight. It turns out that omega-3s use the same mechanism that CLA uses for mm-hmm. losing weight. But omega-3s are essential and natural, and CLA is a damaged omega-6. And so I've always said, no, I don't think you should be doing that. I don't have it in my oil because it's a trans fatty acid. It's made commercially. It's really cheap to make. They sell it for really expensive. If I sold my oil for the same amount that you sell for, for CLA, I figured out one day the little bottle of my oil, like this eight-and-a-half-ounce bottle of my oil, right. Would cost 180 bucks. Wow, that's how expensive CLA. And then there were a bunch of studies done that said CLA does nothing for diabetes, does nothing for cardio, does nothing for cancer, and does nothing for inflammatory disease. Those are the four big ones. And when I saw that, I said, you know, but what really interested me is that we were told. Actually, I, I, I mixed two stories here. So what was really interesting to me is you never saw in the marketing material for CLA when it became commercial that this, these were trans fatty acids or the isomers because there's a way of writing a formula for CLA that where you can tell from the formula what kind of a molecule you've got. 
That was never in any of the studies that were done on CLA either, and I'm, I almost guarantee you that the reason for that is that the people who make CLA hired some professors to do studies and instructed them to report on CLNA, CLA without ever mentioning that it was a trans fatty acid. Uh -huh. So we were in the health food trade, and we had left, you know, we'd gotten rid of all the margarines that have trans fatty acids in them, and they were margarines from 8% trans fatty acids to, I think the highest was around 43, 45% trans fatty acids. And CLA is 70% trans fatty acids. Wow. So then I gave a talk at one time in a, in, a, in a store, and I talked about that. They went back to the store owner, it was actually a chain, and they said, you know, we have a policy of no trans fatty acid in our store. But this guy came around, and he says CLA is trans fatty acids. And they were selling a lot of, trans, a lot of CLA at that time. And they got back from the head office a note that said CLA is not a topic for discussion. <laughs> and why is that? Because they were selling a lot of it. Right. And, you know, right. who's, who's this Udo guy to come and rain on our parade? But from my perspective, it was always about health. And just because you call it a health food trade, uh, well, if you're going to call it a health food trade, let's put it that way, then what you do better be about health, because otherwise you're lying to people, and when you lie to people, Absolutely. you take away their freedom of choice. Well, I, lying, I think that's the most insidious part of a lot lying of Lying is, is a form of dictatorship. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and, and you do it, and people do it for two reasons. One is to avoid pain, and the other one is to, to gain advantage without making the effort it takes to be right. actually make a claim honestly. Right, right. And so lazy people cut corners, and lie, and that's how you get CLA. Yeah, but it, it, it's so insidious that someone creates something that is allegedly for health purposes, and then it's actually counterproductive to health, and then they know that, but they still decide to keep pushing it out there because they're making yeah. some bucks off it. When money, and in the U.S., I'm in Canada, we're stupid too, but in, <laughs> in the U.S., money is like, money is God. Right, Fundamentally, right. money is God. Right? Well, when money is God, everything else will be sacrificed for the sake of money. And if you look at it from that perspective, that explains just about every problem that you have in the U.S., in the USA, that we have in Canada, and that any other country has in its own country. Because we are working for the banks now, and we think money is more important than everything. But then I look, at, look around and say, well, let's see, the bank doesn't make the grass grow, the bank doesn't make the sunshine, the bank doesn't put leaves on trees. The bank doesn't grow the food. The bank doesn't make the earth turn. The bank doesn't make my breathing air. Why do we think the bank is more important than nature and than life? Because if we get that priority turned around, everything will work. Right. You ever watch that show, American Greed, Udo? No. It's a pretty interesting I, I show. The title is a turnoff for me. I don't need no, a show. I just have to watch the world to get my hit on greed. That's true. That's true. But yeah. I mean, that, that show just uh, magnifies what you're talking about quite a bit. When I, when I travel a lot for my line of work. I teach a lot of courses. So I'm in hotel yeah. rooms and the show pops on quite a bit. But it, it's always amazing to me the measures that people will go to to screw people over yeah. for for money they don't need because they already have these are usually people that are fairly wealthy who just want to be even more wealthy it's not yeah. like they're on the streets trying to survive and they're going okay this is my only option these are people that you could do it legitimately and have a great lifestyle but they decide that's not enough and now yeah. they're willing to do whatever method no matter what the consequences are i mean there were two old ladies that were picking up homeless people and killing them off and then they would they would put insurance claims on them first you know have them sign life insurance and so forth and then yeah. collect the claims, yeah. and they had no reservations about it. So yeah. it's, it's, you know, but you know what that tells you, the thing about that money and it's never enough? You know exactly. what that tells you is that you need to be looking elsewhere for what is enough. And right. Fundamentally, when you're present in your own life, the way you're talking about living with purpose and feeling, you know, fe being, feeling strong because you're in touch with the, your own power, that's when you feel fulfilled. And it doesn't matter how much money you have, that will never get you there. 
Money yeah. buys you a better form of misery, somebody said it, but doesn't buy you happiness. <laughs> right? Yeah. And I've talked to billionaires. You know, I say, let me tell, let me tell you how it goes. You, you, you figure out a project. You prop it up as something really special. You hope that at the end of it, you will feel content again. And then you work your butt off to get it done. And when it's done for about three days, you say, ha, I did it. And then you get depressed. Yeah, now what? Yeah. <laughs> the bug, the bug to me, well, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't call it depressed, but there's definitely yeah. a letdown. Yeah, okay, the well, Bhagavad Gita and Hinduism talks well, about that question. Then, then I said, and then how it goes is you look around, you either say, well, a million was obviously not enough to make me happy, so let me shoot for 100 million. Or you say, well, that project didn't do it, so let me do, let me do a different project. But there's always the drive to do these things with the hope that at the end of it, you will feel complete. The joke is, you were born complete. Right. There was not, nothing ever missing. Even if you were born without arms and legs, you're complete. Because your life is where your experience of completion comes from. When you're in touch with life, you feel complete. You feel taken care of. You feel loved. You feel like you're enough. Right. And then you do what needs to be done instead of trying to find things to do that you hope will get you feeling taken care of. Yeah, basically, it just seems like we just had the equation backwards. People are seeking outside things to feel better internally, but actually just need work from the inside out instead right. of, kind of working Everybody outside Everybody wants in. job satisfaction. What I tell them is, you know what? Your job satisfaction is the satisfaction you bring to your job. Exactly. There's not a job. A job is just a job. It's just doing, you know, moving some stuff around, right, either in your head or, or, or physically, right? Mm-hmm. A job is just a job. Maybe it needs to be done. You do it because it needs to be done. But if you think there's satisfaction going to come to you out of the job, you're dreaming. Because the satisfaction is already inside of you. You're just not connecting to it. So connect to the satisfaction. Then go and get a job doing what needs to be done. Try to get the biggest job to do the most you can and bring you the satisfaction that is within you into that situation, into that job. Then I, think right, I think the right career often comes from a part of you that is very satisfied with something, right? So often you're, you're really enjoying a hobby, and, so, and you turn that into a vocation, and right. you have it made. And that's kind of what happened with me and, right. and Sincere as well, both respectively with our fitness businesses. Is, this is something right. that was always a big passion for me. It's something I always enjoyed without ever thinking about how I would make money off of it. And then right. the opportunity came to make this my way of making a living. Right. Now, I'm, I'm going a step further than that. I understand that, you know, you, you have certain talents and you have certain experiences and background and, and interests, and so you, you, you create out of all of your, your, your experiment in living, you create a skill set, and that's what you're then most competent at. And if you can create a, a job out of that competence, that will make your work life easier than it would be if you were just picking something that you don't have affinity for. Right. <clears throat> so there's, there's that part of it. But I'm talking about going one step further back and deliberately practicing contentment, satisfaction, by deliberately bringing your awareness back inside, not in your head, but more like in your chest. Right. Or... Right or taking the ache that you feel in your chest, whether you call it lonely or sad or, or restless or empty, and sitting with that emptiness and letting that emptiness transform into fullness because the emptiness you feel is your disconnect from yourself. When you sit in that disconnect, you, that is actually your access to, to being connected. Yeah, I, I totally agree, and that's one of the benefits of just disconnecting from all these outside sources, television, phones, computers, and all that, and actually sitting down, and Mike and I talk about this on the show all the time, to actually sit yeah. down in, in some form of meditation. And, again, it's not all about sitting in the lotus position or anything like that, but yeah, no, no, it's just it, it, that's, just, that's just one different aspect of meditation. Meditation can be right. just gardening or walking with your dog or something like that, but being in the moment. And one thing about it, when you're sitting there in silence with yourself, and you start, yeah. to hear, you start to hear all that discontentment, I think what happens to a lot of folks when they, they don't want to deal with that or when they hear that, 
it scares the living crap out of them, and they want to shut it off and just get back to doing something that's going to distract <laughs> them. But right. a lot of times, the, the beauty is when you have when you sit there and you're quiet and you hear and you start to feel that discontentment. The thing is, don't run from it. Don't be afraid of it. Acknowledge it, and then you got to ask yourself, why yes. am I feeling? Why am I feeling like this? What's actually, going on that, here? Actually, that gift is the greatest gift that we've been given, other than being alive, because it is our mm-hmm. only starting point to contentment. Well, guess what? That's when we're feeling alive, when we're in that moment, right? There. We're totally yeah, alive, and it right? Tells you, and it makes right. you simple, right. and it gets you out of your head. Yeah. And you f- actually feel something. Mm-hmm. Wow, how cool is that? Yeah. Sign of life, right? Because dead people never feel discontent. <laughs> Udo, Udo right. I'm, I'm, I'm curious, Udo, how you got into this whole path, learning about that and so forth. What, what were you doing before all of this, and how did this whole well, thing start off for you? Um, I, have, I, I was born in a war, so I got primed for looking at what's wrong and how to fix it on just about everything. And I was very good at complaining about what's wrong with the world until my, do- my sister put, took me aside one day and she said, you know, we agree with all this stuff that you're talking about, because you know, I was very vocal about it. She said, the problem with you is you don't do anything about it. You just bitch. <laughs> and that rocked, that rocked my world. <laughs> and then I started thinking, okay, well, if I know what's wrong, then, then where is my effort to make it right? And, and then what happened in, in my personal life, of course, I was discontent. So I have felt this ache in my chest all the time. Couldn't shake it. Didn't know how to get rid of it. Eventually ran into somebody who said, the peace you search for in the world is within you. And I can show you where that peace is. And I learned a method for bringing the awareness inside. We call it knowledge, like it's self-knowledge. You know the way Socrates said, know thyself? That's what he was talking about. Well, I don't know if that's what he was talking about. I'm sure that's what he was talking about. (laughs) Right? Know thyself. What does it mean to know yourself? You, You can't know yourself without looking at yourself, without being in touch with yourself, without feeling what it feels like to be alive. And so I started practicing that and realized that everything I complain about out there is actually in here. And if I feel discontent, I don't need to go outside and find someone to blame for it. I need to go inside and reconnect. And it was after eight, days after start, uh, eight years after I started doing that that I got poisoned by pesticides. And if I hadn't been able to go back to myself and say, you know, in the midst of pesticide poison, poisoning, I can feel content because contentment is in the life part and poisoning is in the body part. If you focus on life, you'll be content no matter what's going on. So I started looking at that and then I said, well, the doctors can't help me and so what do I do? And uh, I started reading in the journals and then when I found out, you know, I was reading everything, proteins, minerals, vitamins, everything I could find on, on nutrition and health, nutrition and disease. And I got stuck on oils because they're the most damaged part of our nutrition, least understood, most misrepresented, and have the potential to do the the greatest amount of good to the largest number of people. So that's why I focused on that. In my background before that, I was actually trained as a research geneticist. So I was in biological sciences, biochemistry, genetics, physiology. I took a year of medicine and left because I found out that medicine's only about disease, not about health. Right. I even talked to the dean about it. I asked him what is health. He said, we don't know. We're, looking, we're working on it. <laughs> but they're not. They only study disease. How are you going to figure out the nature of health right. by studying right. disease? You've got to study health if you want to know what health is. Right. It's like you, you don't look into the darkness, and then you say, okay, well, if I look into darkness long enough, then I will understand what light is. Right. No, you've got to look at the light, you've got to measure the light, you've got to find out how long, fast it travels, you've got to figure out gadgets by which you can measure it, but you have to deal with the light if you want to get to know the light. And the same thing, you have to get to know health. If you want, you, you, if you want to get to know health, you have to focus on what is the nature of health. And what I'm now doing is I'm, I'm turning health into a teachable field based on nature and human nature to replace the disease management system that is misrepresented as healthcare. That's my, that's my magnus open. Has to, but you have to understand human nature and you have to understand 
uh, you have to understand nature because life invented health in nature. It wasn't invented by pharmaceuticals or medicals or governments or legal systems, although they all have their fingers in the, in the disease pie. <laughs> yeah. And they have their fingers in the sick pie. But health was not invented by any of those institutions. It was invented by life. So if you have a question about how to live, maybe you should ask life. Right. And the thing that's amazing to me is that you look at the planet, you say, what makes this planet interesting and precious? It's that it has life on it. Moon doesn't, Mars doesn't, Venus doesn't, right? Wherever we've looked so far, we haven't found life in other places. Life is what makes this planet precious. Life is also vulnerable. And of all the things that we ignore when we make our decisions, the biggest one we ignore that is the most important is we never, we never ask the question. We, we ask the question, how will this improve our bottom line? But you, we never ask, how will what decision we're making here improve life on the planet? If we did that, everything would change. And if we knew how to ask life, you know, it sounds like funny, you know, you're talking to, what are you doing, talking to yourself? Right? Yeah, why not? <laughs> but do you, but, but do, you, do you get, like, if, you know, yeah. what is, like, we have a, you know, even we talk about purpose, right? You want to have a life of purpose. Well, there are two kinds of purpose. One is the purpose that life, life has for you. And the other one is the purpose that you create in your mind out of the discontent that comes from the disconnection from your life. So if you compare those two, then you can ask the question, well, which one's a better purpose? Right. Might be living in, line, li living in alignment with life might actually lead you to a better purpose, to better quality of life, to more effectiveness in helping pe other people with whatever it is that they've got going on. But we don't do that, right? I studied, uh, you know, in biology, biology means study of life. Mm. Only thing we never studied there was, was life. We studied <laughs> right. functions. Right. We dissected cadavers. We, you know, we pissed frogs. You know, we put their gastrocnemius muscle hooked to electricity to their nerve, and then do, did a tracing on a drum that was covered with charcoal. Where was the Where was the life when we were done? The frog was dead. We never got a handle on life. And right. Nobody questioned it except me. Nobody in my class. Nobody questioned it. And I said to my lab partner, you know what? If we want, really want to study biology, we should study ourselves because in us, we have life and form and function all together, and we don't have to kill ourselves to get to know it. And his well, I, think, I think a big reason why people don't question stuff is because people, are so, people are, don't want to be kicked outside of the group. Right? We have a very strong group mentality where it's very important for most people that they belong. Yeah, it's a tribal I mean, look, at, look at Rwanda a long time ago, that started off with a few people, and then it just escalated into yeah. a massive genocide. My view on culture is this. If your culture or your food culture is killing you, you need to dump the culture and create one that actually serves you, that serves right. life, that serves your time on this planet. So I'm not that big on cultures because this unbelievable, unbelievable suffering comes from really crazy shit ideas. Right. Sorry. Right? And, yes, and, and fundamentally, we need to take it on. We need to build something better. We need to create something better because we can. Because all that stuff is made up, right? Everything you think, everything you believe, it's all made up. Well, if it's all made up, make up something really good. <laughs> right. yeah. Make up something that actually works, not <laughs> something that creates wars for people and disharmony in groups and, you know, where women have to get their clitorises cut off when they're babies and, right. Right. you know, where... Yeah where, you know, raping a woman gets the woman stoned, but the guy is okay. You know, you look at some of that. You know, how, are you, how are you serving life with those kinds of really crazy ideas? Yeah. You know, or doing stuff that, you know, that burns up our breathing air, like our, our carbon fuels. That's a huge issue, you know, because the carbon, you know, the, the oxygen we breathe was made by plants. The reason why it stayed in the air was because the plants got buried. Because when a plant dies and rots, it takes up all the energy, all the oxygen it made when it was alive. So they got buried. Now they're underground. Now they're separated from the oxygen. They can't rot. They turn into fossil fuels. Now we're digging them up as fast as we can, burning the, burning the oxygen that 
<laughs> that was left in the atmosphere that allows us to breathe and exist, we're burning that as fast as we can. My car, when I drive at 45 miles an hour and it gets 30 uh, ga- uh, miles a gallon, burns 500 times more oxygen than I breathe. Did you know that? No, you don't know my car, no. but <laughs> <laughs> but your car does that too. 500 yeah. times more. Cars yeah. are now burning up four times more oxygen, just the cars. I'm not talking about trucks and industry and all that. Just the cars on the planet are burning up about four times more oxygen than all the people on the planet are breathing. And, you know, it's not an unlimited resource. The whole atmosphere is only 10 miles high. 10 miles high is like from where you are to your suburbs. Right. Right. right? That's, a, that's all it is. It's like really thin. It's not like 8,000 miles across. It's 10. Right? And all the oxygen is in that. It's a limited resource. And we are absolutely not paying attention to it. And we need to pay attention to it. And the first thing is just to make the point. Now you've got something to think about. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. The convers- start the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and because we're, what, what we need to do, is, if the story that we're telling is killing us, we need to create a better story and t- start telling that and start telling a story that actually supports and protects and cares for life. Right. Definitely, definitely. Udo, just one, one listener question. Yeah. We know, you're, we know you're a busy guy, so we'll let you go soon. But uh, what about you, – you also offer a product, Marine Algae, DHA. How is yeah. this – what do, you, do you think this is the best way to get additional supplemental DHA EPA as opposed to no, fish No, I'll, I'll tell you what. There are two ways you can get DHA EPA that okay. work pretty well. One is fish oils that are carbon dioxide extracted because the process is different and the damage is not done and the PCBs and dioxins are mostly taken out by it. So carbon dioxide extracted fish oils. But you have to be careful because there are people who say we have carbon dioxide extracted fish oil, and they do, but they sell other fish oil that is not carbon dioxide extracted, and they don't tell you that. And that's because carbon dioxide extracted fish oil is more expensive, and the, uh, the, the amount available is smaller. So that would be one way to go. But the fishery industry is not sustainable. So my view is get out of fish. Here's what you do. Krill oil is the biggest biomass in the ocean. It is sustainable because they've set the catch limits before they put the first net in the water. And krill oil is low in the food chain. It is alcohol extracted, so it isn't damaged. And it is in a form that is better, about 40% of it is in the phospholipid form, which is much easier to absorb you don't get the burps, uh, and it has benefits that the triglycerides from fish oil don't. So if you want an EPA DHA supplement, my recommendation is krill oil. Not damaged by the processing, not toxic because it's low in the food chain, sustainable, and they're little red capsules. And you need less of it to get, to get your hit. Right. Fish oil, you do one to three capsules. Of this one, if you're healthy, you do one or two, but they, the capsules are only half the size, like 500 mil cap, capsules. Right. And now, if, someone's uh, using, if someone's using your Udo's oil choice blend, and let's say they're taking their 200 pounds, take four or five tablespoons per day, are they going to get enough conversion of the ALA into the other metabolites, DHA, EPA, et cetera, that's not really yes. a concern? Yeah. Yes, they, yes, they get enough. Uh, but if, you, if, you, if your diet is poor, there are some factors in the diet that will inhibit mm-hmm. conversion, like trans fats, saturated oh, okay. fats, uh, monounsaturated omega-6s, but also lack of B6, which affects 80% of the people, magnesium, which affects 80% of the people, B3, right. zinc, and right. C. So if you have all of those optimized, then no problem with the conversion. If your diet right. is really bad, it may be helpful for you to take the oil as your food foundation and a krill oil supplement as a supplement to that oil foundation. Or you just clean up your diet. Mm, <laughs> there you go. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm never against cleaning up your diet. <laughs> right, right. No, no. Right. I'm, I mean, the, the, the smart thing to do is to clean up your diet. Right. Um, well, you know, and there might be a few people who would still do, you know the way you do that, you do it by feel. 
you know, get your foundation right. Sure. So, so take the oil blend, do it for three months. You take a tablespoon per 50 pounds of body weight per day, mix it in food, spread it out over the course of the day. Oils belong with food. Do that for three months and feel what it feels like. And then do the, do the supplement for three months in addition to it and see if you notice a difference. Right. If you notice a difference, keep doing it. If you don't notice a difference, save your money. <laughs> that's that's a, that's a but, simple. But you got to do it by experiment because you know Absolutely. I'm I'm not you know I'm I'm pretty smart, but I don't know everything. And bodies right. are different, and situations are different, and there may be some people who will do better, but your body will let you know. Just pay attention. That's the way that's the way I do it. It's kind that's called experimental. It's always by observation. You know, pay attention. Pay attention and you'll learn. And when, you, when it's about food, pay attention what you put in. Pay attention to what comes out. Pay attention what happens in between. Good advice. So that's the way I do it. I'm not that mm-hmm. big on the tests. You know, half of the time they don't know what the tests are supposed to measure. Right. You know, they, they do uh, uh, blood tests for certain uh, essential fatty acids. But I get people, doctors send them to me and say, what does this mean? And I send it back and say, it doesn't mean anything. Because what's, what's going on in your blood cells for fats is different than what goes on in your fat tissue with fats and is different what goes on in membranes with fats and is different from what goes on in different tissues with fats. What we do know is life has been at this for four and a half billion years. It's pretty good at making it work. We're the successful end pro- product of an, unsuccess- an, an unbroken line of successes that goes four and a half billion years back. Everything that didn't work was discarded and recycled. So here we are, and if you get enough of the material into your mouth, which is the only thing you're responsible for, once it's in there, life digests it for you, life absorbs it for you, life carts it to where it needs to go for you, and life uses it where it needs to be used for you. And life converts it to what it needs to be converted into for you. And once you've done the thing of optimizing your intake, your job's done. And you've got to trust your life enough that after four and a half billion years, it maybe actually knows a little more about, than you do about how to, how to make this thing go. What about some saturated fats such as dark chocolate, cacao, coconut oil? Do you find that the, palm do oil? Do these yeah. have, yeah, are, are there beneficial properties from these where it's worth consuming them? Or would you say just focus on the Udo's oil and leave it at that? No, the, well, from the point of view, what's essential? Only omega-3 and 6 are essential. If right. you get those two, you need nothing else. But okay. you're going to have other stuff in your food, and that's okay. So the saturated fats, the story we were told, they make your platelets more sticky and, then, and they interfere with insulin function. That's only true if you're omega-3 deficient, and 99% of the population is omega-3 deficient. Uh, when okay. you get enough omega-3s, they make platelets less sticky and they make you more insulin sensitive. So then you can eat, eat saturated fats and they won't cause you a problem. You don't want to fry them, but saturated fats, fundamentally, they're fuel. You know, you've got two fuels. One is carbs and one is fats. Those are the two main fuels. <clears throat> Fat is better fuel. That's why your body can store more of it. You can't store a lot of carbs because when you get too many carbs, they're actually very toxic. And that's what most people get obese from carbs, not from fats. And if you have omega-3s and 6s optimized in your diet, the omega-3s actually turn on fat burning in the body, whereas the carbs turn on fat production. So fundamentally, the story is always make sure you get the two things that are essential in optimum quantities, in the right ratio, made without damage, in glass, with a box around the bottle. That's Udo's oil, right? Right. and optimize that, tablespoon per 50 pounds of body weight per day. <clears throat> Once you've done that, you can have whipping cream in your Starbucks. Right. <laughs> because your body will use the, the saturated fats as fuel, and, and the omega-3s will protect you from the problems that saturated fats can cause if you're omega-3 deficient. Right. Okay. Fantastic. So, awesome. So coconut, I like coconut in summer. It's a cooling oil. In omega-3s are warming, so omega-3s keep you warm in winter. I, I take less omega-3s in summer than in winter. I take more mm. coconut oil in summer than in winter. I don't have it in winter. 
but I love the oil, and it's way better than carbs for fuel. Way better. Right. Yeah, I've, I've always I've always found I do way better yeah. on on good fats for fuel. Yeah, anyway. but not for I've, I've used yeah, I've used your Udo's oil on and off throughout the years, and I'm, I'm using it right now, and it's great stuff. And I take a yeah. few tablespoons per day, and your skin looks better. Your workout yeah. energy is better, so it's, it's definitely Amazing. a great yeah, we, we measured in athletes 40 to 60% increase in stamina on a tablespoon per 50 pounds of body weight per day. That's incredible. We've done it with every kind of athlete you can imagine. Strength yeah. and endurance, the whole deal. Women, men, every kind of sport. How long and did it take for that effect to kick in? Were, were people on it for a month, month or so? We always, okay. we always yeah. did it. You know, we took, took people who weren't paying attention to their fats. Mm-hmm. We measured their you know, their work, workout to exhaustion. We put them on the oil, tablespoon per 50, for a month, measured workout to exhaustion after a month. Because that's how you measure stamina, right? Sure. You work out until mm-hmm. you, till you can't work out anymore. Right. right. So exhaustion is your, is your end point. And, that, and setting that end point 40 to 60% ahead, there's not a training program on this planet that gets you that kind of results. Not this correct. is not... So you can't... You can't ascribe this to better training. And, okay. and then, what, then what we did is we took them off, and we watched their, their energy go down. Huh. <laughs> then we went back on. We watched it go back up again. We did it twice. Yeah, yeah then you know for then sure. Then we took them off again, and, and then, they, then they fired us and said, no, we're going to continue taking it. Because <laughs> <laughs> they, liked, they liked the results so much. No doubt. But we've done that. This, like, it's so consistent. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. We appreciate your time. And again, folks, check out UdoErasmus.com. That's yeah, Udo. or RightFatDiet.com if you don't okay, know that's better. Okay. RightFatDiet.com. And if you just put his name in Google, it'll pop up. Tons of free articles, interviews, video clips, all kinds of good information. You can yeah. get Udo's oil all over the place, Whole Foods, a lot of online retailers. Yeah, it's in all the health food stores, natural yeah. food stores uh, across North America pretty much. Or you can call the company direct. Make sure you don't cook with it. Add it to protein shakes, salads, things of that nature. Yeah, compatible with all foods. Fantastic. Okay, great. Thank you so much for coming on. I hope I was aggressive enough. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, we'd love to have you come back and talk again. There's a few topics that we started talking about before we recorded that we didn't yeah. have a chance to get into. I, but I'm, love uh, to I would be delighted, delighted to do that. Any, any damage I can do for good? I, I'd be happy to to have you be my amplifier for it. Awesome. Absolutely. All right, man. Something Thanks a lot. Thanks again, Udo. Appreciate All it. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. And again, that's Udo Erasmus, not to be confused with the former lead singer of the heavy metal band, Except. That's <laughs> Udo Dirk Snyder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't think you confused those two. <laughs> the last name. <laughs> yeah, some, some great info with Udo, and that's going to wrap this show. Remember, folks, use coupon code LLA to get 10% off any of my nutrition supplements, and you can use it for Sincere's video. How much do they get off your video, Sincere? Yeah, 30% off of the physical or the digital download of the Bodyweight DVD of mine. Awesome. And that's going to wrap us up today, folks. Make sure to keep your reviews coming. Keep them coming on iTunes. Keep them coming on Stitcher. Make sure to subscribe to whatever outlet you use, iTunes or Stitcher. And we'll see you again next time. Take care, everybody. <laughs>